This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Natalie Cramp, who is the CEO of Profusion. So Natalie, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. It's been a bit, been a, a little while in, in coming this, hasn't it? I know when we, it was it October last year, we first started speaking about getting you on the podcast. So we're, we're delighted to have you. Where we always start, Natalie, is by asking our guests to you know give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, and, and journey today, if you'd, uh, if you'd be so kind. Of course, well, I'm delighted we've managed to um, do this. <laughs> you know, I'm incredibly passionate about um, data and and its its ability to solve problems. And I guess that sort of links to my story and my who I am. Um, I'm a bit of a fixer. I like solving problems. Um, and really, that's what my career has been about. How do you solve problems for people, whether that's been for businesses or whether that's been societal challenges? So um, following my first graduate role, which was at Deloitte, where I was supporting organisations with business transformation, I landed a dream job, which um, was about helping to deliver the London 2012 Olympics, which is very relevant at the moment, having just mm-hmm. uh, enjoyed watching Tokyo and uh, looking forward to the Paralympics coming up there. Um, so over a four-year period, I was part of the team that mobilised the 200,000 workforce that was needed to deliver for Games Time. Um, and after that, I went on to set up the Mayor of London's Team London initiative, um, which was about mobilising over a, a million volunteers, um, all the schools in London and um, supported by 1,800 charities and over 100 businesses. Um, and of course, with that comes all the technology to enable that and um, to create a movement to make an impact on our wonderful city. Um, and that all culminated in London being named European Volunteering Capital. Um, from there, I moved on to become the COO of the Careers and Enterprise Company, um, which was to help it to grow from a six million a year to a 30 million a year operation in just two years. Um, and that was about trying to tackle the challenge of careers education for young people and how do we connect business better with schools and connect a fragmented landscape across the country to make sure that the young people in Blackpool get the same opportunities that the young people um, sitting in the heart of the city surrounded by businesses get to be able to progress. And that really further sparked my interest in tech and data because to do that at scale, again, you need um, uh, the right tools and digital and data. And so um, I spearheaded the development of a digital user-driven product there, which was about supporting career assessments, planning and delivery Um, And that was adopted by um, 3000 schools in less than a year. Um, And it enabled us to identify where people were at against international best practice and use that data to then be able to inform government about where money should go, inform business about where their efforts should be, support best practice to be shared across schools from Cornwall to Northumbria. And um, it was really the data that enabled us to work very efficiently at scale in that organization. Um, and so that led me to then become CEO of Profusion, um, which is a data agency and consultancy. 
Um, and I sort of continue to be very enthusiastic about the power of data to solve problems in businesses and what also by what data and in our industry together can do to support society um, because there are a huge amount of societal challenges we're seeing even more as we see the sort of impacts of the COVID um, last 18 months um, and I think data's got a big role to play in that um, so that's sort of why, why I've got to where I am now yeah. um, and why I'm quite so passionate about some of these topics. Yeah, um, and it's it's great to see. Obviously, that that passion kind of oozing out there. I think obviously we spoke offline about you know I'm also involved in a number of initiatives around getting you know university students into work placements, and there's a whole host of conversations that go on around about that topic and about it needing to happen earlier. Which obviously you've been involved in at, at scale, which is good. So okay, brings us up to, to current day. Tell us a little bit more about Profusion, obviously, you know, data agency and consultancy, but give us a bit more around kind of the types of typical types of projects or challenges, you know, organizations that you support. Yeah, so we help people grow their organization with AI, essentially. And that's because we think that data is this untapped asset on everyone's balance sheet. And really, our job is to try and help them translate that asset into profit for their business, um, whether that's about um, increasing their sales and increasing customer engagement or improving their operational processes to make things move faster and slicker and fundamentally free up people to be able to do the things that only people can do. Um, and we do that by breaking down their business strategy into data strategy and then into the individual data projects that are needed um, to enable that strategy um, and making sure, most importantly, that they have the right people, the culture and the technology that goes with it to really enable them. Um, so we provide everything from strategic advice all the way through to literally delivering the projects themselves. And you ask for a flavor. So that can range from predicting the propensity of when Kyle is next going to buy his next car for a car manufacturer and therefore making sure that you can target him at the right time with the right message through to predicting the molecular stability of different types of perfumes um, to speed up the production process um, or as we'll talk a bit more about today, helping people to identify who the top talent are in their organization and use data to enable them to be more inclusive in the way that they run their business. So it's a whole range of projects, but essentially data can sort of help you with most hypotheses in a business. Um, and so we re really look at the business strategy and help organizations work out, well, what do they need to do with data to be able to move further on their journey on that strategy? Um, and we're very hands-on, so we'll support with the sort of strategic advice, but we'll also get in and do the projects for you. And I even second some of my team into organizations to help them as they're sort of building their data teams and growing their data teams. Um, because I think people really are at the heart of any data transformation and we focus a lot. We've got a big data academy, as you know, and we've talked very passionately about um, offline, um, which is really about how you support everyone from sort of C-suite down to graduates and apprentices and organisations to be more confident about data, to be more data literate um, and also ensure we support people to be able to build these data teams that are needed. Um, no more so now than ever because we've seen this big acceleration over the last 18 months and we want to diversify the profession and bring in more diverse talent so we do lots of programs with schools and universities and um, to sort of bring people into that and grow people's data team to be able to take on new challenges um, and continue to deliver that strategy so yep. yeah that's that's profusion yeah well, thank you very much for the for the insight. The, the Data Academy piece fascinates me because obviously, as you'd expect in my line of work, that's become a a thing now, if you will. You know, like you get trends with certain job titles. The Data Academy 
thing in itself has become a thing and a lot of businesses going towards that so um if i forget remind me at the end to, to ask you about that because i don't want to take away from i guess the core topic of why we're here so let's jump into it i guess when when we think about and we talk about the impact that data and analytics has within an organization i think it's quite easy for you know someone's mind to, to kind of wonder naturally to the kind of core business domains right that where it's obvious where that can work, marketing, finance, you know, operations, supply chain, thing, things like that. Um, the HR piece is not something that, you know, is is maybe very prevalent or probably not as prevalent as it should be in regards to the communication and conversation around how data can support and help that as a, as a business domain, in, in my opinion. So I guess, why is it that you believe the next hire in any HR team should be a data scientist. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of made that slightly strong comment to you because I think it's almost important to really jolt people in their thinking. And, you know, whilst we, we take the last 18 months and sort of let the dust settle on 2020 and such a strange year for everybody, I think we still don't know the long-term impacts on the business world yet. But what we do know is that remote working in some form will be quite widespread. And the the protests last summer, the BLM movement, really show that equality, diversity and inclusion, the challenge is so far from being solved at the moment. And it's going to remain at the top of the sort of corporate boardroom agenda. And so if if you think about it from an HR team's perspective, those issues pose quite a lot of complex challenges, which HR have got to grapple with. So how do you accurately monitor, assess and safeguard the well-being of employees who are no longer in the same office, might not even be in the same country? How do you devise a recruitment, retention and promotion system that ensures a level playing field and provides more opportunities to underrepresented groups? And I think data science provides some, I'm not saying it's going to solve everything, but it does provide some of the answers to this. And I think it's, whilst a lot of HR professionals don't realise it, they've probably been some of the largest processes of data in organisations for many, many years. Um, And they use both structured and unstructured data to hire, to assess the performance and morale of people. Um, And they take into account a huge number of factors, whether those are like dry statistics on productivity um, qualifications and things like that or the subjective views of colleagues and managers and essentially they bring all that information together and apply it and contextualize it by the current business situation by commercial needs not to mention individuals preferences what are their ambitions what are their expectations of any given member of staff or any candidate and so actually HR professionals are already performing incredibly complex analysis to make decisions or recommendations and that makes you step back and think with so many moving parts and you know of course a lot of subjectivity at play and we all know that it's subjective it's very difficult to always make the fair and right decision and that's not anybody's fault but that's just the nature of what they're dealing with and I think a more data-driven approach can offer a way to break that influence and create a more objective fair and all-encompassing approach to HR Um, and so thinking about particularly remote working all of a sudden you lose a load of data points because you don't necessarily see them in the same way as you might have done in an office. Um, And it's much harder to know, for example, how someone gets on with colleagues, um, which can be an important part of, are they progressing? Are they able to build morale in a team? Um, How do they present at a meeting? Um, You know, the impact on the culture of a company. Um, And so your observations and your data points are reduced. And actually, therefore, we need to gather every data point that's available, apply a consistent methodology and try and predict 
or infer some of those things to enable HR professionals to take more informed decisions. And I think that's where actually data can be incredibly useful and data scientists can start to support HR. Um, and just to give you a really minor example of where we've applied this, um, I was really worried when remote working started happening. We are not a hierarchical organisation. We are not a siloed organisation. And in lockdown, I could see that hierarchy and silos would creep in because naturally you either broadcast or you talk to your one to ones and you talk to your team. Yeah. Yep. So we're data geeks and we were thinking, <laughs> how do you keep people engaged remotely and ensure they don't miss those sort of water cooler cross-functional moments? And, you know, we had a lot of new joiners and growing, we were growing the business. So a lot of new joiners were joining. How do they embed into the team? And so we built something called Coffee Roulette, which was just an algorithm that matched individuals from different teams together every fortnight, went into Outlook, identified where they were both free, popped it in their calendar so they could have an informal coffee with each other to just catch up, to get to know each other, to talk about whatever whatever, whatever they wanted to talk about. And 72% of them said that there was a substantial improvement um, in terms of their engagement with work and um, their redu a reduction in isolation. 96% um, um, Felt, said it helped feel them in, really feel engaged with the company whilst remote working. And despite it being meant to be informal and not forcing them to talk about work at all, over half of them said it made them much better at their job. Um, so it's something really simple. It didn't take the data team very long to put it together. Um, but in, you know, simple in data terms, big impact on employee engagement. And I think that's just one tiny example of where we can use data to help in HR. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. I think there's, I mean, there's so much in there that you spoke about that, but you know the i mean hr have got a tough job right because they they're the ones that, let's be honest they're the ones that pick up all the flack when a decision's yeah. made that people don't like <laughs> like that's you know and that's often, the often to be praised but, <laughs> yeah. um, always uh, yeah. there for people to moan to ex ex exactly that yeah so and you know you only have to look around linkedin i mean you know, if you want a, <laughs> if you want an argument, just go and put a post up about, you know, your views on remote working and uh, that'll, you know, it's a surefire way. So it's, it's no wonder that, and it makes perfect sense what you're saying, you know, if they've got, if HR teams can turn around and say, well, look, here's what the data is telling us, here's what's best, you know, it's not, it's not our decision per se. Um, yeah, I guess that would, that would make it easier. And then obviously you, you started to touch up on there around the diversity piece and i guess you know with the with the prevalence of you know the the blm movement last year you know how how can data be used to support diversity and inclusion in organizations because that's that's right up there right in terms of agenda of, of the boardroom that's that's top of the pile yeah absolutely and i think you know it's i don't think anybody's deliberately trying to um not tackle it but it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky challenge and you know there's been huge numbers of studies and reports about unconscious bias in hr and recruitment and it's quite hard to tackle when it's unconscious um and um you know one of the most sort of famous pieces of those research talks about how um black asian ethnic minority names on cvs um quite often see people resulting in less success rate um and so um you know it's encountered in huge amounts of forms like CIPD did some research which said 51% of HR professionals were found to be biased against overweight women and they were completely unaware of it so you know there's all these sort of different types of biases even when we're reviewing CVs um, you know you get tired so there's bias because of that if someone's giving a bad answer to the first bit you tend to 
sort of judge their answers poorly because of it. So there's all these different things. And um, there are tools like Applied that have tried to tackle that in the recruitment world to really, rem- you know, they've gone through almost every piece of data they can to remove those biases to serve you um, intel about the people who are applying in the right way. Now, what's interesting is when you try to use some of those tools, actually candidates don't want to do that. They don't want the hassle of having to answer questions instead of just sending you their CV. So even when companies are trying to do the right thing, sometimes it's really hard to do that because actually the candidates don't respond to it. So, you know, we're not far off, but data data can help in that. And I think another really good example is um, progression, where we see quite a lot of research that suggests that underrepresented groups often don't progress at the same rates as their say white male counterparts and some of the research seems to believe that sometimes that's to do with cultural um challenges and where people are more prepared to like put their hand up and say hello I'm fabulous and have you seen what I'm doing and look at all my achievements and um you know I say that slightly flippantly but you know people are people are prepared to do the self-promotion they understand that they need to do that in order to progress and actually quite often you can have someone incredibly talented who may get overlooked not through any fault of anybody's but just because they're less aware of their achievements because perhaps they're not involved in their day-to-day and again if you're remote it's even harder to identify that and what data can do is we can predict um, employee lifetime value to the organization we can predict um, the top talent in the organization by taking lots of different data points so each organization needs to understand what does value mean to them is that's not just going to be about well, what's the sales I deliver as a salesperson. It's going to be about, do I um, get involved in, am I trying to better myself by getting involved in training? Am I taking on management responsibility? Do I, you know, if you're an organization that's passionate about purpose, do I get involved in social impact activities? Yep. Am I involved in developing apprentices? Whatever it is, you know, value will look different. If you think about a production line of a manufacturing company, where you've got very specialist resources, staying on that production line for 20 years is just what you want from somebody. If somebody sits in the same job for 20 years in a sort of HR team in an organisation, probably they're not they're your top performing employee because they're not sort of growing. So it's it's different for different organisations and different functions. All of that's got to be taken into account, which the organisation can define. And then what the data people can do is to find the data points that can help you with that. So, you know, attendance at training, um, 360 inputs from 360 reviews or other sorts of assessments Um, and it's not just numerical inputs we can use things like natural language processing to be able to pull things from you know people's CVs people's um, people's communications all of those sorts of things can be used employee engagement surveys all of those things can be put together to really help you get a full picture and what I'm not saying is you should run an algorithm like that and go, right, I'm sorted. That's that's the people who've got the highest lifetime value for me. And everybody else is getting sacked because you need, first of all, you need different people in different organizations and different roles. And it's a blend. But secondly, um, whilst the algorithm itself isn't going to be biased, the data can be. And I think we saw a really good example of this with Amazon, where they automated their recruitment, quite famous. And of course, what the algorithm told them was they want white men because the people who had been successful were white men because that was what it used to look like. So something that was designed to help inclusion actually made it worse. And so it's really important to me that the data is used to provide insight 
to better support the HR professional line management to make the right judgments and to ensure that they are aware of the limitations of that data so that they don't make some blanket decisions as a result of it. So it's a sort of partnership between people and data. But I do think data can be really helpful in driving the inclusion agenda and in, in spotting what's happening in your organisation and sort of opening your eyes to it. Um, it makes us it makes us able to see far more broadly um, and see patterns and see opportunities and also see when someone's disengaging because we all know that by the time someone hands in their resignation you've lost them and frankly if you can win them back at that point then they're probably only going to stay for six months till they ask you for another pay rise so but if you can spot it as they start to disengage then the things that you probably can intervene and understand what matters to them understand why they're disengaging and see if you can solve it and sometimes you won't be able to but sometimes you will and you'll really care about doing that and you'll be able to keep great talent and that all those sort of examples are where data can really help us yeah yeah no absolutely i mean i think the the diversity piece i mean it's fascinating obviously being on my side of the fence and i think to be honest with you something needs to happen because it's just, it's just one of them. As you said earlier, there's, there's no organization out there that's, you know, purposely burying their head in the sand or purpose, purposely not tackling this, but often it's just a case of, well, how, how do we do this? This is such a mammoth task and, you know, they've got a day job to do and all of that type of stuff. And I've seen, you know, probably the wrong type of, behaviors meant in the very best way but you know start to to kind of drive towards things that in my mind have been very questionable you know so we've we've worked with clients in the past where have turned around and said to us you know well we for this for this shortlist we want it to be 75 percent female and i get why because obviously there's a gender imbalance but that's probably not the way to to tackle it right because you're kind of flipping it on its head and going a little bit too far so there needs to be something that can help organizations get to that root cause and make better decisions overall you know not just about gender or whatever but but across the spectrum so it's 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 certainly something that needs that needs addressing um i know obviously you're very big on in terms of believing hr have a wider role to play in the in the wider data agenda anyway so talk us through that a little bit yeah I think this is I don't see huge amounts of um I don't see HR directors being really seen as a key part of driving the data transformation organizations and I'm not saying that's not true anywhere but I'm saying in the majority of cases that's not who you meet where you're sort of talking about this agenda and I think that's a shame because I actually think HR have a huge um amount of value to add in this space and there's a few different ways. One, I think, um, if you think about diversity and inclusion, where it works is not because you have a head of diversity and inclusion sitting in your HR team. Where it works is that every leader is trained, understands the organization's ethos on it, understands what they're trying to do. Every single person in the organization understands what they're driving for, has is encouraged with the right behaviors, and it is embedded in every line in the organization. And where where it's done well that's what happens and 
you know, many HR directors have managed to achieve that across organisations. And it's thought about in every process, in every person's job. And that's what data needs to be. And so actually, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from that. And I think, you know, data scientists are amazing statisticians, data engineers are brilliant at pulling complex things together. But there are a small cohort of them who are really good translators, um, and who are really good consultants to the business. And that's why they're in such high demand, because it's no good if they're just doing the data stuff. They need to be able to engage with the business. They need to be able to educate the business. And actually HR can help them do that. And when I think about what a data-led organization should be, actually in the recruitment process, you should be looking at their understanding of data, not just for a data job, but for many of the roles like in marketing, like in logistics, you might need to look at the outputs of those data. So how are we building that into our recruitment process? How are we testing for that? In my view, every single person's induction, I know I'm biased, but should be looking at, well, how do we use data in this business? What are the tools you need to get familiar with? And what are some of the inputs that you will see? Um, when you think about like graduate and apprentice training programs, many of them are still being trained in the same things that we were when we went on them, which is, can you use PowerPoint, presentation skills, communication skills? Um, and I'm not saying those things aren't still important, but actually, I'm not sure they've been modernized enough to take into account that actually data literacy should be part of that and how we use data in the organization and how how you're going to use that in your role. And then, you know, for me, it should be a part of everyone's training program every year. There should be because data moves fast and new things happen and we have to keep abreast of them. So sort of data capability training should be part of the annual cycle of training in the same way as um, you know, health and safety or GDPR awareness or, and all those things are. And that can all be driven you know, if you're trying to drive that across the organisation, it can't come from the data team who are obviously going to advocate for it. It needs to come in partnership with the HR team to sort of drive that across the organisation. And I think the other thing that HR can really support with is the data ethics agenda. And technology moves faster than the law. We know that. Um, GDPR is almost like the baseline. The privacy legislation that's coming in is the baseline that you have to have to do. But that doesn't mean that doing everything else is okay. And each organization has to take into account like how, you know, data ethics isn't really about getting everything right, but it's about making informed decisions and making sure you're not, you know, you're looking to do the right things with things. You, you can't see that you're going to create harm with it, etc. And data people can't mark their own homework. So again, HR can be influential in the governance around that and thinking about what is the governance we should set up around data ethics? Who do we need to be able to do that? Who's holding the baton on this? Who's holding the baton on data literacy? And that really, for me, is where HR have a big part to play in partnering with data specialists in a transformation across the business and actually could really elevate their status in this. Um, but of course, they've got to be a little bit knowledgeable about data to do that. So it all sort of comes back to they need to educate themselves first to be able to play this role in the organisation. Yeah, it's a really interesting point and it's not something if I'm being really candid that I've thought about in that way before but you're absolutely right I mean you know you started to speak there about something that I mean I live and breathe every day and I'm really passionate about and I think sometimes that that message can get you know misinterpreted somewhat um I'm not saying that the technology is not important, but if you look at any advert or job description, it's a list of technical requirements and that's it. And and never are we talking about about data literacy or the ability to tell stories or whatever the case may be. There's no mention of that 
anywhere. Uh, and that's always been my point for, you know, I've probably been banging on about this for three or four years now saying, you know, it's no wonder we find ourselves where we're saying, yeah, this person's great technically, but you know, we're not getting what we want out of them because they can't speak to the business. And it's like, well, of course, because did you assess those skills when you hired them? Have you trained them on them skills when you got them into the organization? And, and the answer is no. Um, so I've been very vocal about that, you know, and, and it's a really interesting concept that actually, you know, those very strong technical people, you know, they're important to a data team. Of course they are, but they're not always that way inclined, but that doesn't mean that they should be ruled out either, right? Back to the to the inclusion piece, I, I guess there. Um, and then I guess where you started to talk around, you know, HR teams to do that, they do need knowledge. How then can data teams better support HR teams to be, you know, I guess, intelligent customers of the data function, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, it's just about data education. Like, I think it's about, I don't think any chief data officer or head of data should have a data strategy that doesn't include a whole strand on education and data literacy for the organization. And, you know, HR can, if you educate HR first, they can help you with how you then drive that across the business. So I think it's about, you know, without people in the business understanding how to use data, its limitations and apply it and the art of the possible with it, and to be intelligent customers who can ask you to solve problems for them. Essentially, the data team is running a series of experiments that are not going to drive forward the business. And actually, they're going to get frustrated by that as well because they're not going to see the output. So I think it's really incumbent on everybody, um, but it is incumbent on the data team to sort of think about how do they educate the HR team, educate the C-suite, and inform them of the art of the possible, what the limitations are. Make sure that they understand that it's not just about a data person, that we have this whole suite of different roles with different skills and that lots of those different roles together make up the output of this project. And therefore at different stages of the journey, they need to be able to draw on these different skills. And by hiring a data person, you're not going to get suddenly the ability to do 200 things. Um, and you know, sometimes that's why it's worth having a small core team and having partners who can help you out on those roles you don't need to hire all the time and again that's where it's great for the HR team to be educated to understand like oh well here's how we build this sort of hybrid team so that we don't have to have every single skill set in-house for these projects that might take place once a year um but also understanding you know it's really important that people don't just get on the bandwagon with something that the data team has predicted and believe that is like absolutely like the way the truth and the light and therefore they must use that without understanding the limitations in it so you know if well we've not actually got any data in it from I don't know logistics and then it's saying oh these are the ways we should go actually you're, you've got a whole blind spot that's fine as long as you know it um, but people need to be educated to understand how to interpret it and to, and what's right to put into action so I just think there is no point in um, building a big data team or investing in a lot of data tech if the people who receive the output do not know what they need to do with it in their role and how to take that next best action that's going to support the business. And, you know, if that's about making money, if everybody takes an action that's going to help make the money £10 or save the money £10, that makes a much bigger difference than saying to one person, you've got to find a million pounds in the organisation. And so, you know, if you can really bring everybody on board then you're going to have a different experience. And also as a data team, you might get busier, 
but you're going to be a lot less frustrated um, and you're going to see the impact and outputs of your work and you're going to have advocates for you and you're going to have people coming to you with interesting problems to solve. So your work will be interesting and not just sort of doing the plumbing. And so I think it's really important that data teams see the value of that. And, and, and my suggestion would be to start with HR because HR can then help them drive that to the business because they've done that with so many initiatives before. Honestly, I can't believe that I've never actually given much thought into this because it makes perfect sense. And I mean, you know, you're preaching to to the choir here naturally because I think, you know, what I do day to day is have conversations with business leaders that turn around and say to me, we've got a team of 50 data scientists and we've spent X amount of million pounds on all this tech and it's not worked. It's not working, you know, and you know, there's stats out there that say something like 85% of data analytics projects fail to add the value that they were expected to add. And, and that kind of comes back to that whole cultural piece, which I think when we say that very holistically, it's basically data literacy, right? It's what we're talking around. People aren't using it. It's not being adopted because they just don't understand why they should bother adopting it in the first place. So um, obviously preaching to, to the choir there and and I see and hear this all the time and then from a candidate perspective when we're speaking to candidates who are getting frustrated with where they are that comes down to my work's not visible you know a project lands on my desk I do it I do I do the do in terms of the technicalities around what I've been asked to do it gets pushed along and I never see hear about it ever again I don't know if it was good I don't know if it's bad I don't know if it's been used or implemented or whether it's not. Um, and and therefore, you know, they're just, they're having, I guess we're getting to that stage now where candidates are looking for something more. You know, they're looking at the bigger picture and saying, is the stuff that I'm doing, is that actually adding value to the business? Or, you know, am I just here, you know, playing around with dashboards in Power BI for the for the sake of it type of, of thing, which is a, a real interesting point and I guess while I remember I'm going to dive into this data academy piece now <laughs> before I forget because I think that whole education piece that you're talking Without around making there. you forget that I was just yeah. going to say like one of the things that was really interesting to me working in the HR team at London 2012 is obviously you're so much of what you're trying to do in HR is create the right culture because with the right culture comes everything else and we had a huge opportunity there because of the the challenge that we had but you know, we did research into volunteering and it told you the reason people, the biggest reason people want to do something is to be part of something. And it comes back to seeing that output, like they want to be part of something with other people and they want to see an output. And what was brilliant about the games is we had this monumental output that was on show to the whole world. It was a little scary at times, but, you know, that was good. And the reason it was so exciting is suddenly you went from, you know, you talked to people about their, your job and actually they were interested. Now, you know, People would want to moan at you about things um, in the run up. Then, of course, they were your best friend because they wanted tickets. Um, but it was very visible. And I think that's that is what engages people. That was why it was so easy to move things, to deliver at the pace that we delivered at and to achieve things that no one thought was possible. Because you could center everyone on this like North Star and this united mission and you could do it. And that's what every CEO is trying to create in their organization is to really unify their workforce and to create a strategy that everyone is gunning for that everyone understands what what their role has to play in that strategy and for it, the games it was easier to do that because we had this big visible thing but that's certainly something I've taken through my career of like how do you try and create that in other organizations even in a small way so that everyone's gunning for the same purpose and that like you know what you've just described in candidates is where that has broken down and you know that's where the data piece isn't 
business strategy translated into data strategy and them really understanding and then you know the sales team coming back to them being like oh my god that's amazing i have sold 10 million pounds worth of stuff this year thanks to your data model the ceo getting on stage saying like this you know this was one of our proudest moments with one of our clients recently the ceo got on stage with uh, uh for a global presentation and said like since we started the data work uh, we have had our best two years and like our team were really proud as part of their extended team that that was something that we had been able to help to make happen and their team were jubilant because they could see the output of their work and I just think it's so you know data and culture go together we've seen digital transformations fail because the tech was there but the people and the culture wasn't and we we just don't seem to learn the lessons mm-hmm. um and it's really really important with data and you know as someone who's who didn't train as a data scientist but has learned data and is running a data organization I I sort of defy anyone not to be able to do it. Um, so I think we've all got to embrace it as individuals, but our data teams also need to be bold and lead the way and not be sort of victims of being brought in without a clear remit, but sort of take charge of really showing their value in the business and driving the business forward. Yeah, that piece around context is really important because I think when I when I have conversations with people who are getting frustrated for that reason that we outlined earlier, and I say to them, you know, is, are your line managers or is your department or whatever the case may be, are they are they giving you context as to why you're doing things? Because uh, I've always said, you know, a data scientist is 10 times more effective if they know why they're doing something. But often that's never the case, right? You know, a project lands on the desk, as I said earlier, you know, they're building a model, you know, it needs to look like this. There we go. It's done, you know, off, off onto the next one. But if they knew why and that North Star that you spoke about, that makes them... 10 times more effective and 10 times more bought in to what they're doing and why they're doing it, right? Which is is really interesting. So I guess to the point of the data academy then, because this whole education piece, and I think if you think back five years maybe when the, the, the first organization started talking about doing data academies, I think at that point in time, it was very much a case of it was a way to upskill more junior people. That's what it started out as. And we quickly realized that the, the people that needed upskilling were the people in the business, you know, from the top, from the very, very top down. And then it kind of flipped on its head. And now you get kind of a, a hybrid model between the two, depending upon the organization. Some lean heavily, more heavily on one side than the other and, and vice versa. But I guess from your perspective and the work you're doing around your data academy and how that's translated into the work you do with your clients, has there been a... I guess, like a mammoth shift in what that's done for the organisations. I guess, how 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 has that all kind of pulled together? I think what's been really good about the student programmes is that we bring them in, we put them through the business bootcamp to make sure that they can do that translation piece. And then we send them in for only six weeks to do a very defined project. But what that's enabled some of our clients to do is actually realise that with a clear brief, how quickly something can move forward and how quickly they can get tangible ROI and input if, if they stop worrying about like the barriers in the organization that might stop it and how you do it. And actually, if you just take the project and do it um, and that actually with the right support and mentoring. So one of our one of our clients from that, for example, has said, can I now buy mentoring with one of your staff? So they, I've got some junior people. I've realized that there's more potential that they have, but it's just about having that guidance that they've had, these students have had as a result of your process with the more senior data scientists. I'm not in a place to hire the senior data scientist myself, but like actually can you provide that so so that's been quite interesting from the sort of student point of view I think the the leadership training is the sort of game changer because 
I, like you, speak to a lot of CEOs who are frustrated, who are saying, well, hang on, I've been at this stage journey for this long. I've hired the people. I've given them what they want. I've spent an awful lot of money and I'm not seeing the impact on the business. And I can ask, I know I should be able to get these outputs, but I can't understand why I can't get them. And there's that gap. And the piece we do with leadership is a lot about how do you ask the right business question? So first of all, what is the art of the possible? Let's really understand what's the art of the possible, but let's also understand where it can go wrong because there are also leaders that are just very nervous to commit because they see the stories about Amazon. They see the stories about the exam algorithm and they think I can't possibly let that be me. And I'm not knowledgeable enough to stop that. And I don't like being, you know, a lot of, a lot of us leaders are control freaks don't like being wholly dependent on somebody whose skills I don't understand um, when it could be so publicly exposed. And so I think um, it's about sort of then giving them confidence through the training that actually the things that we're going to teach you are going to make you feel more confident to, to move forward. Um, but I think the biggest game changer is the module that we do on um, business questions. How do you ask the right questions of the data specialist, be that your agency, be that your team, um, whoever it is you're using, in order to get the output you need. So it's sort of equipping them to be able to do that translation piece to the data team and then back from the output into it. So we've actually, um, we're launching a, I'm not allowed to call it a data capability assessment. I'm going to be told off by my team. But <laughs> whatever it's going to be called, we're launching one of those. Um, to be able to help people to just understand where they're at as an organization and where, where their learning needs are. And, you know, what if that matters based on what they're doing and how we can improve that over time? Because nobody... We don't all need to become data scientists. We don't all need to become data engineers. But we do need to be able to understand, you know, we all understand the recruitment process because we've all been through it. So when we then need to go and recruit someone, it's relatively easy to ask a recruiter or an HR professional, like, this is what I need from you. And this is the output I want. You might not quite know how they go, they turn all the cogs, but you sort of know the start and the end pit yep. and you can brief them properly. And the problem with data is we're not quite sure. We don't necessarily have the skills to brief people properly to get what we want. And to your point, help them understand that North Star so that actually they don't spend hours on something that is unhelpful. And they do answer the question that might not quite be the one that we ask, but is actually the thing we want to know. And so we have to both equip our leaders and our data professionals to do that yeah. translation piece. And I think that's the thing that makes the biggest difference. Like we also help them with what are the different roles in your data teams and how do you manage these projects effectively? When do you know to call them? When do you know to automate? All of that stuff. But really, the questioning piece is the critical bit. The sort yeah. of understanding what's possible, because I think quite often people just think about analytics. They think about looking at the past and what's gone on and using data in that way. They don't understand the predictive power and some of the things that you can use. So it's important to help them understand that. It's important to help them understand almost the safety features <laughs> you need to use. But the questions is the big is the big one. And that's where we see suddenly the frustrated CEO and frankly, the frustrated chief data officer ahead of data are able to have a different conversation. And we are then able to help them move their vision for their brands or whatever their business strategy is forwards, because we can work with them to then translate it and really get going and get some tangible output and also understand some things are hard and like 80% of most projects is data engineering and they're not going to see great output from that straight away but be patient because if you let the team do that right then the future things you want to do will be able to come very very rapidly and I think that's another thing that often people don't understand and is very frustrating for data teams um, but also frustrating for leaders because data teams haven't explained that to them and then they don't see results and they think it's not working um, so yeah I think it's the biggest change in the training upskilling people from like a BI analyst or a data scientist is great and it helps the organization. But the biggest piece is 
really supporting that translation piece between leaders and data people. And I think that's where you start to see the shift in the way that the organisation thinks about what they're doing and the way that they partner together to drive it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly something that I've heard, you know, people complain about on both sides of the fence. You know, you've got a head of data sitting there saying, well, the CEO just doesn't get it. He thinks I'm just going to go and switch on a light switch and, you know, da-da, there's the value, you know, and then no the CEO were asked to just, can't you just put some AI on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, I've heard that myself. Um, so, okay, let, let's think about this logically. So if, if there are HR directors or heads of HR or, you know, whatever the case may be out there thinking, yeah, like this sounds great, how do I get started? What What's the starting points in your eyes? Um, we're going to surprise you <laughs> that I'm going to say this, that the start point is education. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think the first piece is get educated, understand the art of the possible within your function, how it can help you contribute to your business strategy, where it can support you delivering your HR strategy. You know, how does it help you with um, your, you know, how does it inform your L&D strategy? How does it inform your talent strategy? How does it inform your recruitment strategy? Um you need to understand the limitations and the pitfalls, particularly in HR. Like, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from marketing. I would tell I would tell any HRD to go and talk to the CMO about how they've applied data in their function, because essentially they're also trying to attract, engage, and retain people, just different sorts of people, customers and employees. But there are so many shared lessons that I think aren't capitalised on. But I think in HR, you really also need to, of course, think about the limitations. So back to you know. With customers, you want to attract people like your best customers because they're going to pay you the most money. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if all your customers look alike. Um, that's a good thing. They're going to, you know, you found your niche audience. Um, it does matter if all your staff look alike. So you just need to make sure you apply that lens when you're taking those lessons. But I would certainly have a conversation with your marketing director or CMO. And, you know, if, you're data, if you don't have a data team, if your data team can't train you, there are people like us who will come in and do it. And you don't have to use us, it's not a shameless plug, like you, but use somebody because until, until you are informed, you will not be able to move forward. And if you try to, you will end up um, having to slow down later in order to speed up. So I would get informed first and then you will be able to put your best foot forward. Um, but I would also have a conversation with your marketing director because I think there's a lot, a lot of shared lessons um, and a lot of shared pain points where marketing also get blamed when things go wrong and rarely <laughs> remembered when things go right. And uh, which, you know, you can probably share together. Um, uh, so I think that's probably important. Um, and I think finally, when you do get going with it, it's it's not about tearing down your current HR processes and sort of starting from scratch. Like they're good and they're working for a reason. It's about looking at them with a new lens and see like, what can we collect and store in a systematic way from a data perspective that enables that to be continually collected, updated and inform us helpfully really to take your people off having to do stuff that something like a machine can do um, much faster for you and enable you to free up your people to do the bit to, you know, have the conversations that no one else can have where staff are struggling or, staff need advice on how to handle situations like that's where you want your HR team to be because they're the best at it and no one else can do that and if they're too bogged down in the data and the detail and trying to process it all they just won't have as much time to be able to support the organization to drive cultural change which is where you want them yeah yeah absolutely no makes makes perfect sense so I guess before we let you go Natalie you spoke earlier around 
data ethics and this is you know something that's really important so i want to make sure that we we kind of finish with it um how how do organizations navigate this and then what's hr's role in that i know you spoke a little bit about this earlier but i'm just keen to kind of re-emphasize the point if that makes sense yeah of course so yeah technology moves much faster than the law and it is it's difficult because we're all sort of navigating uncharted territory really when we're doing this and we want just because we can doesn't mean we should but where is that line and what's appropriate in your context for your customers for your people um so one of the things profusion is doing is actually launching the good data guide to support organizations to navigate this so it will be a set of resources best practice case studies kpis um to sort of think about and things to see that you're making progress to support you on your sort of data ethics maturity scale if you like and um that's something that we will be um, launching later this year uh, but we're working with um, a data ethics advisory board which is cross-sector and um, so we've got professionals from law from hr from uh, who are chief data officers um, all different industries um, academics um, all involved in supporting us with this to sort of try and learn the best lessons from every industry every different profession and put them together in something that's really practical and helps people because whilst there are some guides in individual industries there's not really a sort of one-stop shop to help people and and also once you work out what you've got to do how on earth do you then do that so that's something that we're looking to do to support the you know to support our clients but to support the industry more broadly and we also use the ethics advisory board as a sounding board for our own challenges and our clients challenges and each time clients will bring a challenge that they're working with and just enables them to have different viewpoints and to wrestle with it with an informed group of people and so I think that's something to think about for other organizations obviously people are welcome to come to ours but also to think about well who's the panel of people you put around making decisions who's holding you know probably it's not one person who should be holding the the thing the cane on this and so who are you supporting them with and how do you make sure that you've got good views around it um so that's one thing that people can think about um and then also making sure that um data people can't mark their own homework um and so thinking about who is your like ethics champion or who's sort of holding the mantle on it supported perhaps by a broader board of advisors and um, to support driving it across the organization now of course that person needs to be informed so that comes back to education and having somebody outside of the data team who is informed who is engaged who is interested in this who's reading about this um, and who is challenging the organization on these things um, and really helping people with the right set of questions to ask themselves when they go into any project so you know it should be at the start of project initiation which you know what are the considerations that we need to have um, and actually you can't just say to people i'll oh, take into account ethics when you start the project like you need to give them a series yeah. of questions to ask themselves to draw it out so i think those are the sorts of things that people can do what's interesting in terms of hr is diversity inclusion if when you see our good data guide you will see it's one of the like absolute foundational blocks of this that you can't do it without like it is not just a moral but a commercial imperative when you are hiring data people that you have a diverse workforce because we know that there are bad outcomes we know that data can when used wrong um, reinforce systemic bias that we don't want and i'm not saying that by having a diverse team you will avoid that altogether but you will get further along the way to making sure that that doesn't happen because if people who think in the same way um, are training the algorithms then you're bound to miss a trick um, and so it's really important that 
the foundation of it is a diverse and inclusive team. And I mean diverse, by the way, in the broadest sense of the word, academic pathway, you know, the different routes into the profession that people have come from, the experience of business that they've had, as well as, you know, their their race, their gender, all of those sorts of things. Because, you know, just because you hire a black man and a white man, it doesn't mean they've actually had different, uh, very different experience. And they may still, in fact, think in very similar ways. So it's not just about what it looks like on the outside, but really making sure it's diversity in the broadest sense of the word. And I think that's where HR can really support um, in sort of driving that, those initiatives in the data team, thinking about how do you retrain people from within the broader organization to work with the data team um, because that will help you think about the ethical considerations in a different way because you've got different perspectives. And also thinking about the governance, I mentioned it before, around how do we support data ethics in this organisation? What is the framework that we set up to make sure we're doing it? What does the poor data scientist who's building this algorithm do when they're worried? Who do they go to? And how do they get a resolution to their question? Because we all have to make these decisions. They will not be perfect. And what do we do when something goes wrong? And we need to have a process for that. And I think, you know, HR are used to putting those processes in place for things like safeguarding. They're used to putting those processes in place for inclusion. Like they have got the experience to help with this. And I think it's really important, another really important partnership for them with the data team to be able to sort of drive that agenda. Yeah, yeah. And I think that whole piece around, you know, questioning to draw out those, it's almost a, a mindset thing, right, for many organisations. First of all, they don't know where that line is, right? And then it's a case of, well, how much appetite do they have for risk? But then even further than that, it's a case of, but how comfortable are you in towing that line, right? Because some organizations just will just go, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll tow the line as much as we can possibly legally get away with versus others who are kind of saying, well, that's the wrong thing to do, you know? So I think it's, you, like you said. True, yeah. right? Because then you've got to look at, you're, in the same way as if you're genuinely going to be a diverse and inclusive organisation, it's not just good enough to look at what you're doing. You have to look at the partners that you work with, the suppliers that you use, yeah. and work those through. And you see it more and more in procurement processes as a result of that. And that was certainly something we we used our procurement processes at the Games as a big lever to try and drive change in diversity and inclusion in the way that um, people embrace apprenticeships and those sorts of programmes. And, you know, you sort of need to do the same with data ethics because it doesn't matter what you do if you're then if you if you're taking a line that we're not prepared to do those things but then you're working with a supplier who's saying it's close to the line of the law as possible then you've actually you're not taking a consistent approach with it so you need to think about it and how it flows through your organization and who else you know whether it's your procurement person like who else you need to educate on this and gain their support drive it forward as an organization so it's a big piece of work um but as we use data more and more and as the possibilities of data become greater and greater it's a really important piece of work to do and i think it should be on every HR director's agenda to be thinking about how they're setting this up for the future um, as we move into um, the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Natalie, I feel like we, me and you could probably ramble on for about three or four hours on the, some of these <laughs> topics. But, lovely. Um, I don't have to yeah. do any work. <laughs> um, but before we let you go, um, if people are interested in kind of, you know, picking your brains, uh, you know, just want to have a chat around anything that they've heard today or equally, you know, interested in working with you guys at Profusion, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? Yeah, I mean, I would love anybody who's passionate about this. I would love to talk to um, even if it's just for a brainstorm. Um, but if you want help as well, of course, we are there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Natalie Cramp. I think I'm the only one. So I'm quite easy to <laughs> find. Um, Profusion's website is www.profusion.com. 
um, or people can contact me um, by email, um, which is natalie.sc at profusion.com. So get in touch in whichever way you want um, and be really delighted to have um, a conversation with anybody who's also interested in this topic. Perfect. Well, Natalie, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Kyle. It's been lovely. Cheers. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.